It's the Sunday Showcase on the Mutual Audio Network. The following audio drama is rated G, which means it's perfectly safe for folks and families of all ages. Yes, even Grandma. Enjoy. How do I? I'll skip ahead a bit. No, I can't skip ahead. All, all right, everybody, into the time machine. Understand how radio works. All I have to do to return this is fade my voice out like this and cue the organist. And you see, here we are. Wait a minute. 63 Audio presents the Old Time Radio Essentials Podcast. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Old Time Radio Essentials. If this is your first time joining us, I must inform you that this is episode 13 and our season two opener. To be specific, <laughs> to be specific, it's our pandemic special, and we'll tell you more about that in a minute. My name is Pete. This is Paul. And I'm Dave. The purpose of our show is to present specific episodes of our favorite old time radio series, Episodes that stand out as particularly representative of those series or as one of those favorite episodes that fans of old radio like to quote in Facebook groups. We'll open each episode by introducing the selection, describing it briefly, and then playing it for you. Then we'll come back at the end of the selection and discuss it at length, each of us giving his own opinions on its merit, its performances, or anything that stands out for us. And that's exactly what we're presenting to you, just our opinions on whether or not it's worthy of a place in every old-time radio aficionado's personal collection. You don't have to agree with us, and in fact, we may not agree with each other, but we do hope that you'll enjoy what we bring to the table and come back for more. Now, normally, each of us three will take turns selecting the show for discussion. But since our season one finale, some weird stuff has been happening around the world. Over the COVID-19 pandemic and such, so Pete decided to open up season two with an apocalyptic tribute, and I suggested the 1972 classic radio drama, The Peoria Plague. Now, when I first set up the parameters of old-time radio essentials, I chose not to go past 1962 in terms of what designated an old-time radio show, mainly because two long-running classic radio programs had their final broadcasts in 1962. But these are the days of making exceptions and concessions, so I agreed that the Peoria Plague would be the perfect show to parallel current events. Let me interject here. For anyone who's heard this selection before, that we do not condone or support in any way at all the creation of a zombie apocalypse. Yeah. We're, we're non-political on this show and, sh and choose to follow science. So we support the CDC's recommendations of washing hands, staying at home, wearing a face mask to protect others, and social distancing to protect yourself. That being said, let me hand things over to Paul again to tell you a little bit about what we're going to listen to. Well, this is the Peoria Plague, which came out in 1972. It was done by a local radio station that was owned by the local newspaper, the Peoria Journal Star, and it was a couple of the writers from the Journal Star that actually wrote this story. And the funny thing is, it seems to have gotten more successful as the years go on, but unfortunately it wasn't very successful in the beginning because no one can find a good copy of this thing. It's just a copy of a copy of a copy. But we hope you guys like it. And now, friends, adjust your radio dials to the proper frequency. Get comfortable, Get comfortable. and listen. 
The following is a Radio 1 dramatization. The time is 9 p.m. Now the late news from the WUHN newsroom. The Advisory Council for Radio Bradley, the Bradley University FM station, has been recommending that President Martin Abegg uh, reactivate the station, move it to a new location, and find operating funds for the second semester. Two more endorsements for the upcoming 1972 state elections. The Lake County Central Democratic Committee has endorsed Governor uh, Paul Simon, Lieutenant Governor, for the Democratic gubernatorial nomination. And the committee also picked State Representative Daniel Pierce of Highland Park for the Lieutenant Governor's berth on that ticket. Parochial aid is finally law, as you know, but it has yet to meet the final test of legality. Governor Ogilvie signed the parochial aid bill into law on Thursday. There will be a court test. Mr. Ogilvie, in signing the bill, said it would provide relief to taxpayers who, he said, are forced to bear the full burden of educating youngsters forced into public schools by the closing of private and parochial schools. Actually, the ink was hardly dry on the bill before Lawrence Klinger of Chicago filed suit to get State Auditor Michael Howlett to start issuing parochial checks. Mr. Howlett is a supporter of parochial but is holding up the funds in order to force a court test of the constitutionality of the new parochial program. Governor Ogilvie also says he plans to trim $76 million from the state's welfare budget, which will go into effect next uh, Monday, because no one has come up with a better alternative. Thomas M. Murphy, the founder and president of the Independent Postal System, which was uh, put into effect this past week in the uh, Peoria area, has announced that the firm will issue its first postage stamp on the 15th of November. It's to be used on second, third, and fourth class mail. These stamps range in price from one cent to 50 cents. Uh, Five-cent holiday stamps will be issued for use on Christmas cards, but those cards probably will not be uh, delivered by the independent postal system this year because they just don't have the equipment at present time here in the Peoria area. However, the company does plan to provide that service of delivering Christmas cards next Christmas. Uh, this, uh, this story just handed me a wide portion of the northern part of the city has been struck by a complete power blackout Power company officials say they have been unable to trace the source of the failure, but crews are working to rectify the difficulty. Uh, thank you. In uh, what seems to be a related development, some 20 persons have been admitted to doctor's hospitals suffering from what doctors say is apparently a respiratory disorder of, of uh, undetermined origin. All those admitted are Northside residents. We'll keep you informed, of course, from the WUHN newsroom on this uh, power blackout in the northern portion of the city. Whatever news we have, we'll pass along to you very quickly. We now return to Kaleidoscope.
This is the WUHN newsroom. Uh, further developments on the uh, power blackout in the northern portion of the city uh, are coming in now, and we're going to turn to newsman Robert Johns for this report from Doctors Hospital. Doctors Hospital is within the area affected by the widespread power blackout in Peoria tonight. Power is being supplied by an emergency generating system. Hospital officials here declined to comment at this time on the nature of the disorder affecting at least 20 persons admitted for treatment within the past hour. Speaking off the record, one doctor told me that all of those admitted were unconscious and had encountered difficulty in breathing. There is speculation that the infection may be bacterial in origin or possibly the result of food poisoning. A driver for the Pace Ambulance Company told me that he had responded to emergency calls from several households and one restaurant within the power blackout area. At this time, there is little... Robert Johns, with the latest report we have on the uh, blackout north of the city and in the northern portion of the city, too. A spokesman for the Peoria Electric Company says nearly all of the city is now without any electric service whatsoever. Uh, Milton Kramer says transformers at a power substation near the waterworks shorted out in a violent, fiery explosion about 40 minutes ago. City police report power lines fell on two automobiles in the 100 block of War Memorial Drive, and at least two persons were reportedly uh, electrocuted. Motorists are urged to avoid War Memorial Drive in the area there at the uh, foot of McCluggage Bridge. That's the latest we have on the situation. We'll keep you informed, of course. Stay tuned to this station. Uh, we return to music now on Kaleidoscope. Kate Newsman Warren LaSalle is uh, 
Yes, he's, he's ready now. Uh, he's in a mobile unit uh, near the disaster area. Uh, Warren, will you come in, please? The situation here is considerably worse than original reports had indicated. There are hundreds, literally hundreds, of people jamming the area near the power substation at the waterworks. I can see the charred remains of two automobiles not far from where I am located near the tractor company building on War Memorial Drive. A mother and her four children were apparently burned to death when power lines fell onto the car in which they were riding. The bodies of two other persons remain in the other vehicle, also struck by falling power lines. A fire department rescue unit is at the scene now. The flames have been put out, but the bodies have yet to be removed from the scene. An eyewitness told me she heard a loud humming sound and saw a bright bluish-green light streak across the sky. Just an instant before the substation here apparently exploded, and the power lines adjacent to it fell onto the roadway. Many of those lining the street appear to be dazed, and several people told me they found it difficult to breathe. Thank you, Warren. Peoria's two other major hospitals report that an increasing number of persons have been admitted for observation suffering from the effects of an unknown respiratory disorder. Hospital officials, uh, we were in contact with them just, just a moment ago, uh, say they are unable to cope with this situation. It has reached emergency proportions. The county coroner's office reports that the bodies of several youngsters clad in Halloween costumes have been discovered in, in uh, residential areas around the city. Um, the coroner says there were uh, no indications of violence or foul play. Power company uh, spokesman Milton Kramer says that all generators at the generating station on the river have ceased to function and that the blackout now covers the entire city. Kramer says personnel at the plant say they heard a loud humming sound as the buildings began to vibrate. I should repeat that, that there is uh, apparently no uh, power in the city. Uh, police say they're receiving a lot of calls uh, about a bright, some sort of a bright light, uh, blue or green, uh, they're not quite sure, uh, moving slowly to the northwest in the city uh, over Peoria. Now, that's all we have at the moment. There is a power blackout. Uh, we caution everyone to um, remain calm and, um, you know, use the most caution you possibly can. And we'll get back to you with further developments from the WHN newsroom. And in the meantime, uh, we'll go back to Kaleidoscope.
back in the WUA-10 newsroom now, uh, there is a power blackout in the area, and uh, we are trying uh, to get whatever reports we possibly can. Uh, authorities in the control tower at the airport say they've been forced to close uh, the airport to air traffic because of a disruption in communications caused by this, uh, this massive power failure. Uh, we have another report now. We have another report now uh, from newsman Robert John at the uh, doctor's hospital. I secluded myself within the administrative offices on the third floor. I'm now behind a plate of glass and trying to make sense of what I'm about to report to you. According to Inchange, I've talked with in the past few minutes, several of those persons admitted to the hospital tonight have savagely attacked two doctors and several other emergency room personnel. In an attempt to control the enraged patients, hospital staff members have completely closed off all corridors leading to and from the area, which is now concentrated with people no longer down with the disease, but rampaging through the halls of this medical institution. According to a hospital spokesman, the area that I'm reporting from is completely secure. There's no remote chance of an invasion by the, the animals who have commandeered the upper floors of the building. They've apparently lost all control of their bodily functions, and, and they've resorted to the simplest methods of protecting themselves from things they, they no longer seem to understand. One patient appeared to be dying from suffocation. He was immediately scheduled for a tracheotomy, and the doctor was at the point of incision when the man, who supposedly was under sedation, came alive with the, the power and the fury of an enraged, an enraged ape. He wrenched the doctor's scalpel from the surgeon's hand and sliced his throat from front to rear. Other personnel in the room fled through doors and into the awaiting horde of the living dead. I... I find it hard to keep my, my thoughts organized. That's what I'm trying to do. I, I just can't believe such a horrid thing could happen in the same building. All flights above this level have been completely barricaded and reinforced with tables, cabinets, chairs, machines. All equipment that is movable has been removed and set up in an effort to stop any living thing that might possibly break through the primary barrier. People are rushing about in a frenzied determination to stop whatever might be on the other side of that wall. There's, there's absolute bedlam here now. They've smashed the plate glass and... Oh, I, I've never seen anything like it. They, they, they don't even look human. Oh, my... Well, uh, uh, I'm sorry about that. Uh, we, uh, we seem to run into some sort of difficulty uh, in that uh, remote connection with uh, newsman Robert Johns at Doctor's Hospital. Uh, while um, our engineer tries to reestablish contact which you will do just as quickly as possible. Uh, we have this report uh, from uh, another reporter in town uh, that the mayor has left his home to go to his office from City Hall. Um, Nim Lorgan. Nim Lorgan files this live report. We've checked the mayor's issuing statement momentarily regarding the now well-known state of emergency. I've received reports that the mayor has been in contact with the governor, but no one seems to know what's going on, absolutely. But it's been rumored that the mayor will declare an official state of emergency within the hour. It's also rumored that he will ask for assistance from the National Guard. But until his speech is made available to the news media, all of this remains highly speculative. The mayor has just come down the marble staircase here at City Hall from his fifth floor office. He's now approaching reporters. Along with the mayor are several other aldermen and other city officials. The mayor reportedly intends to confer with other government officials before making a statement. Thank you, ma'am. Um... While, um, while we were waiting for uh, the mayor's statement, um, he'll be along in a moment, I understand. Uh, let's take this report now from uh, Radnor Clinic. Uh, Carl LaFong reports. I have Dr. Dietrich with me. 
Uh, Doctor, has any progress been made in finding a cure? Well, we've succeeded in isolating the bacteria, and since that time we've been trying to find something to destroy or even arrest the bacterial processes. But unfortunately, we have been unable to even stop its meiosis or reproductive process. It seems that these organisms, after destroying the brain cells, lodge themselves in the bone marrow, where each cell divides. This process continues quite rapidly, and each cell can reproduce an equal in approximately 90 seconds. Of course, the body manufactures red blood cells in the bone marrow. Since the bacteria destroys the marrow, the body cannot produce these oxygen-carrying cells. Now, without the cells uh, to carry oxygen to the, to the body, unconsciousness results shortly after infection, and with it, the brain damage follows. Uh, then, Doctor, oxygen tends to not affect you. No, no, the oxygen can get into the lungs, but it's ex exhaled because there uh, are no red blood cells to pass the oxygen along. We haven't been able to explain this things. We're back at City Hall for the long-awaited statement from the mayor. Uh, citizens of uh, the area, ladies and gentlemen of the press, has uh, been in conference with city officials and the governor's office. I won't try to cover things up or give you false hopes. We're confronted with a situation totally beyond our immediate control. However, officials at uh, Doctors Hospital have assured me that everything possible is being done to find a cure for the, uh, the disease that is sweeping our city. I must emphasize that uh, panic will only make things worse. I'm therefore enacting uh, martial law throughout the city, and I'm ordering everyone to remain uh, behind locked doors in their homes. The uh, police commissioner has given his, uh, his men the orders to uh, shoot to kill. This is, of course, necessary to ensure control. Now, if you're not at home, you must either go home or locate your nearest civil defense shelter. We're doing everything possible to combat this dilemma. Please stay at home, etc., etc., etc. What response have you had from the governor's office, sir? Well, it seems as though our uh, governor thought it more important to spend the weekend fishing in Wisconsin rather than sitting in his dingy office down in uh, Springfield con controlling the official business of the state of Illinois. And that was the mayor's report on this, um, what has now grown to an emergency situation. Uh, we, um, we're here in the WUHN newsroom. Uh, we have an unconfirmed report of a light plane flying in the VFR mode. Uh, that's, um, that is to say the pilot was flying into the Peoria airport pattern by eyesight only uh, because uh, the radio communications at the uh, tower are completely without power. And it seems as though the pilot tried to radio the tower uh, to report a shortage of fuel. Um, um, because the uh, tower is without electrical power, they're unable to receive the pilot's uh, um, plea for some help. Uh, the pilot attempted a landing by eyesight, I'm told, and apparently missed the common highway for the landing strip. The uh, plane was reportedly a multiple engine craft, uh, three persons on board. Uh, we do not know who they are or were. Uh, the only plane in the area, according to the aviation officials, was a dual engine uh, craft, uh, chartered, um, to uh, sum up, the uh, entire city of Peoria is without power at this time. The mayor has uh, now declared the city under martial law and instructed residents to seek a place of safety, either in, in their own homes or one of the civil defense shelters. Uh, we've been unable to reestablish contact with newsman Warren LaSalle, 
we were speaking with him just a short while ago. Uh, he reported on the explosion of a power substation near the McCluggage Bridge. Uh, newsman LaSalle filed this tape-recorded report from the scene about 20 minutes ago. Is that ready? All right, let's hear it. Hey, Fred, are you rolling on this? Uh, yeah, Wayne, uh, go ahead.
Now, uh, we're back in the newsroom. Uh, that was a, a recorded conversation um, earlier uh, between uh, reporter Warren LaSalle and an engineer here at the studios. I'm sorry that the uh, two-way got in there, but uh, under the circumstances, we just had to rush. Um, it's a two-way radio transmission just suddenly terminated, as you heard it, uh, as, a, as an angry mob attacked the news car. Uh, this is purely speculation, you understand, because we can't be there and just know what's going on. Um, perhaps uh, the antenna was broken off uh, when the people, as he said, uh, swarmed over the news wagon. Um, as was evident in the tape, uh, Warren wasn't intending for his report to be made public, but we felt that you should hear it uh, in spite of that. Uh, because of the extenuating circumstances and uh, the condition of the area in general. Uh, we thought it would be better to give, uh, you know, all the information we possibly can. Um, I understand now that we have a remote report coming up uh, from veteran newscaster Gib Phillips uh, from his home in Chillicothe. Um, there's no no telephone service connecting Fiore and Chillicothe at this time due to the power shortage, so uh, reporter Phillips will file this live report uh, from a neighbor's house uh, using a two-way radio. Um, all right, uh, give you go ahead. Okay, ready, so uh, you can take it, Sam. reporting on the situation in Chillicothe. Uh, you're listening to um, WUHN Radio, uh, trying to keep uh, contact with this uh, emergency, this power failure that has occurred in the area. Uh, Pekin police report that aside from uh, the power blackout, there's no difficulty in that city either. Uh, apparently it's localized here. Uh, we've just been in contact with Barb Fox at the police department. She reports the finding of another body at uh, Doctor's Hospital. Uh, let's uh, let's uh, set her in now, if you will. Right, here's Barb Fox. Headquarters where officers just finished filing a report on the discovery of a mutilated body in one of the rooms of Doctors Hospital. The man, reportedly clad only in a crucifix, was found between floors. The upper portion of his body was left on the third floor when the elevator doors closed on him. The elevator descended, the body was dismembered. According to the report, the upper portion of the man's torso was riddled with daggers and glass one half inch thick. The bleeding had completely ceased by the time the body had reached the elevator shaft. In turn, tracing the trail of blood, surmised the man had been dragged from a nearby office where the glass windows had been shattered. The report continues because the body was without clothing, no identification was possible. Police are baffled by a length of what appears to have been a microphone cable that was clinched in the dead man's fist. This is Bart Fox reporting. Ladies and gentlemen, um... Uh, panic seems to have swept our city. Uh, all of you who are listening, please, be calm under the situation. 
what reports we have, uh, hundreds of people, uh, maybe even thousands, seem to be running wildly through the streets in a kind of crazed frenzy. Uh, we have uh, here uh, numerous reports of fires, uh, at least 300 deaths, and uh, scattered incidents of looting. Uh, civil defense authorities have issued a statement urging everyone to stay home tonight. Uh, there's a, a team of medical experts from St. Nicholas Hospital is attempting to, uh, to isolate this bacteria which has affected the behavior of, of so many of our citizens. Uh, authorities are baffled by this uh, strange phenomenon, we're told. They have yet uh, been unable to isolate its origin. Uh, several prominent physicians uh, have recommended that the consumption of any foods other than uh, uh, cans uh, be ceased immediately. You know, anything that is canned apparently is all right for the moment. Uh, civil defense authorities recommend that if you're going to drink water, be certain that you boil it before you drink it. Uh, before you drink it. Uh, in any event, uh, when police or the fire department must be contacted, the telephone company and the city police have provided mobile uh, communication in van-type trucks are located throughout the city. Uh, perhaps you've seen them. I don't know. Uh, each truck is equipped with a loudspeaker system, uh, which will make you aware of its presence within your area. Uh, in the event of an emergency, do not leave your home until you hear the loudspeaker message in your area. Now, uh, I'm going to repeat it for you, see if you can remember it. Uh, this is Civil Defense Emergency Communications Mobile Unit. Uh, that's the way they'll introduce it. Uh, then they'll, uh, they'll follow uh, a number of some sort or other and the announcement of the intersection which the truck is nearest. Uh, we repeat, uh, under no circumstances uh, should you leave your home, except in the event of fire, of course. Uh, the uh, police superintendent, uh, Andrew Alexander, reminds all police officers that Lee's days off, of course, have been canceled. Uh, if you didn't hear it directly from him, you're hearing it now. Uh, this goes uh, ad infinitum, apparently, until this thing is cleared up, until we find out what it's all about. Uh, every policeman is to report to police headquarters at once. Uh, the superintendent emphasized that the situation uh, remains under control, but Andrews advised that all area residents who own firearms um, keep them loaded, keep them uh, nearby in the event of some sort of uh, someone should try to get into your home. Uh, in a prepared statement, the police chief said, and we're able to quote this, uh, due to the extreme gravity of the situation which confronts us at this hour, I must advise all area residents to take any precaution which they feel necessary to guard against intrusion. Uh, where health or safety is threatened, I advise all firearms owners to shoot the kill without hesitation. Uh, police uh, Superintendent Andrew apparently uh, was referring to those individuals who are affected by the plague, which seems to have swept our area uh, when he issued the uh, shoot the kill order. Uh, medical authorities further advise that anyone who thinks he may have uh, contracted this uh, bacterial infection should have another member of the household in which he resides bind him, uh, actually tie him down in such a way that his movement will be completely restricted. A uh, person living alone who feels uh, ill are advised to um, perhaps take a sedative or some such thing if it's available and uh, just go to bed immediately. Uh, you know, lock the door, of course, and the windows and so forth. Uh, civil defense authorities have been granted permission uh, by the mayor and the police superintendent to uh, do whatever is necessary to restrict movement on city streets. Uh, because of the huge traffic jam, which is now traffic at the bridge route uh, going out of the city, uh, state police have had to set up barricades to restrict uh, any sort of vehicular movement uh, from the city. Uh, thank you. Uh, well, late reports indicate that the um, vast majority of those affected by the plague uh, are residents of the city. Uh, therefore, the county sheriff's department is stopping all automobiles. Uh, you're going in or out of the city. And from what we are able to learn here in the WUHN newsroom, uh, in a dire situation such as this one, uh, more people have to be killed either panic and fear than by whatever this, this dreaded thing is. Uh, it has been brought to our attention uh, uh, that the students on the university campus have become uh, completely panicked. 
uh, in the wake of uh, whatever it is, this disaster that's going on. Uh, the mobile radio telephone unit, uh, there is one uh, near the field house parking lot. Um, students are reportedly uh, dying of the hands of fellow students as uh, uh, the mobs attempt to storm this mobile unit in order to, to tell their parents about the, the crisis that we have here. The lives of fellow students, former classmates, uh, and uh, it don't seem to mean anything to uh, those students who are possessed with this, this one goal. Uh, the only important thing to students is making the phone calls to their parents or relatives in order to get the transportation out of the city, which, of course, no one can come in, no one can go out. Um, uh, there have been numerous reports of some very uh, brutal confrontations, beatings. Uh, um, I, I don't know. What's that? Oh. Okay, go ahead. Uh, this is uh, Dr. Donald Kerhan speaking to you from Lutheran Hospital. 
A, a team of prominent Peoria physicians, including myself, believe that we have discovered the source of the unusual bacterial infection. Now, I must emphasize that we've been unable to develop a cure to combat this disorder and that we can offer only the following preventative measures. <clears throat> now, first, it is imperative that the consumption of tap water be ceased immediately. This is of cardinal importance because our medical research has determined from the shot of it out. That these bacteria are multiplying uh, in, in the Texas Peoria. It is of utmost importance, uh, cardinal that I reiterate, that all tap water must be ceased drinking. It, uh, it would seem that we are experiencing some sort of a technical difficulty here. Uh, we'll, we'll have it uh, rectified just as soon as we can and uh, bring you the remainder of uh, Dr. Turin's report. Uh, while Dr. Turns was speaking, I did manage to get into con communication on a two-way radio here with uh, Gib Phillips in Chillicothe. He told me that the situation there remains as it was before, that apparently uh, no one in that community has been affected by the plague, which has spread throughout Peoria. Uh, Phillips says that a number of persons who earlier got out of the Peoria area, uh, apparently victims of the disease, uh, however, um, sufficient manpower was available uh, in Chillicothe to uh, subdue those affected and to maintain some sort of order. The... Uh, uh, police in Chillicothe have since set up roadblocks to prevent others from entering the town from Peoria. And as is the case there, uh, law enforcement officers have been given the uh, shoot-to-kill order, if that's necessary. Um, uh, oh, yes. Now, now, again, we're going to have Dr. Uh, Donald Turan uh, with a report uh, that we interrupted a moment ago. Uh, you'll just go right ahead. Uh, this is uh, Dr. Donald Turhan speaking to you from Lutheran Hospital. A, a team of prominent Peoria physicians, including myself, believe that we have discovered the source of the unusual bacterial infection. Now, I must emphasize that we've been unable to develop a cure to combat this disorder and that we can offer only the following preventative measures. <clears throat> now, first, it is imperative that the consumption of tap water be ceased immediately. This is of capital importance. Because our medical research has determined to the shot of it out. That these bacteria are multiplying in the tapestry of Peoria. There is a most important that all what must be. Apparently, the uh, the tape the doctor used to record the report uh, that was sent to us uh, it just it just wasn't really good. Um, now um, we're going to attempt to bring you Dr. Turan's report later in this broadcast. Uh, word that has reached me now that reporter Mim Morgan is uh, located in one of our mobile units near Peoria's Courthouse Square, where civil defense authorities have set up uh, an emergency treatment center and uh, a communication facility. So uh, we'll uh, we'll take this report now as Mim Morgan gives it to us right from the scene. Hello, at Courthouse Square on this chilly October evening. There are literally thousands of people jamming the square. There's a human chain composed of policemen and firemen, special sheriff's deputies, and a number of persons who have not yet fallen victim to the plague threatening the city surrounding the perimeter of the square. Children are crying and, and running through the streets in search of parents who have either deserted them or who have been trampled to death by crazed victims of the plague who are roaming the streets in packs, like wolves, ready for the kill. It seems like a bad dream, a nightmare from which I know there's no, no awakening. Old men and women who were apparently overpowered by the infection lie gasping for breath in the streets and in doorways. Those who have not yet suffered from the effects of the strange bacterial infection are, for the most part, panic-stricken and are huddled for warmth in small groups within a small area which has been secured. 
Only a short time ago, it was like any other weekend night in Peoria. Suddenly, a bluish-green light, light streaked across the sky over the city, and, and since that time, there's been chaos and civil disorder of the greater magnitude imaginable. Speculation as to the cause of this night of terror runs rampant through the crowd here. Stories range from blaming a communist conspiracy to destroy population centers to tales of alien invasion from outer space. And who's to say what the truth might actually be? Most sporadic shooting as police fire into bands of the crazed once humans who periodically attack their own kind like savage beasts of the night. The injured lie everywhere, and medical teams are spread far too thin to be of any real value. It seems as though no one is immune from this dread disease. There's an unconfirmed report that the mayor, after issuing a statement from City Hall, fell victim to it himself and brutally attacked a reporter as he attempted to leave the building. No one's able to explain why some have been affected by the disease and others not. In many instances, some members of the same family have gone raving mad while others remain apparently normal. Symptoms of the disorder are easily recognized. First, there's dizziness and vomiting, then extreme difficulty in breathing may be encountered. Secondly, the victim then falls unconscious for a short period of time. It is then that the skin loses its color, becoming almost gray. The eyes turn a deep red, almost glowing with luminescence. When the victim regains consciousness, he's lost complete control of his faculties and attacks anything or anyone near him, resorting to the most carnal and bestial acts imaginable. As I speak to you, I stand beside the body of a small girl, clad in, in what appears to be the blood-soaked remains of a Cinderella Halloween costume. Not ten minutes ago, her body was dragged here from outside the defense perimeter by her hysterical mother who said the child had been attacked by a group of five or six of the bloodthirsty night creatures who savagely beat and kicked the youngster before tearing her with their bared teeth. I don't know how much longer I can take this spectacle. Has the whole world gone mad? The, the cloud-shrouded starless night sky is crimson in the distance, and smoke lingers like a pall over the city, and, and as numerous fires rage out of control away from the heart of the city. Fire units stand ready here to guard against the possible spread of flames into this area. In the sky to the southwest, there lingers a faint bluish-green glow from within the clouds. The light which hovered for a time near the waterworks streaked across the sky to its present location and has remained there for the past 40 minutes with no appreciable movement or any change in its intensity. Police attempted to get near the area where the strange glow remains, but fires raged completely out of control near the site, and they haven't yet been unable to get close enough to attempt investigation. Near the center of the square, there is... Wait! A blue-green light is raised higher, and it appears to be moving closer.
there's a milky white liquid splattering on the pavement as it rains. I can't Plague. 
We don't have any contact news with anyone else. We really don't know. Uh, is Fury going to be used as a sort of breeding ground for some strange bacteria which drives men mad and later forces them to uh, submission before some alien intelligence? Now what? What puzzles me most is why some have been infected immediately by the plague and others, uh, others, not at all. At least for the time being. I don't know if anybody can hear me or not. Jack? Jack, you give me... I'm a little dry. Would you, would you get me some water? Thank you. Now, of course, we're going to remain on the air, uh, bringing you information about the crisis throughout the night. Uh, we are hopeful that police and civil defense officials will keep us informed, too. I don't know whether... Oh, thank you. Yeah, that's better. Well, what I'm saying is that uh, we're going to stay with it just as long as we possibly can. Uh, there's no one here other than than my engineer and me. Um, they've all, everyone else uh, has left by automobile, uh, trying to get toward Bloomington, I guess, to get some sort of assistance, you see, for, for the folks, and to contact the governor's office in Springfield with the hope that National Guard units could be activated, brought into the area. Um, uh, recapping here... These um, events, uh, it was uh, about an hour ago that a bright bluish green light was seen first uh, over the city um, uh, near uh, Jack. Jack, come back in here right away. Yeah, what's the trouble? Uh, where did you... Hey, you look sick. You want me to go get help or something? Where, uh... Where did you get this water? Is it uh, in the cooler in the hall? No, the bottle's empty. I drank from it from the cooler about 20 minutes ago. So I got yours from the tap in the left room. I thought it was all right. No. Did you see that? Hey, are you going to be all right? Are I trying to get a policeman or something? Hmm. That's why some people got the disease and others have it. They dumped that bacteria in the water supply. Crazy. Only those who have this. <coughs> Only those who have uh, had water in the past hour or so. Jack? I've been so busy with tapes back here and the two way and all. I, I never thought that, that something might be wrong. I... Oh, no, it's, it's, uh, it's not your fault, but uh, you've you got to get me out of here right away. Now, our, uh, Jack, you know what happened to the others. Get me out of the building. Lock the doors. No matter what now. And then don't let me back in. But I couldn't do that. You you and I have known each other for five, six, seven years. I couldn't do that. No. I mean, there's so much interference. I doubt anyone here. Anyway, but... Uh... Circumstances beyond our control, we're now forced to leave the air.
the program you have just heard was a dramatization. Any resemblance between characters in our story and persons living or dead is purely coincidental. This is WUHN-FM in Peoria, Illinois, Radio 1. That was the Peoria Plague. <laughs> Plague. <laughs> Plague. <laughs> that was the Peoria Plague, a standalone program written, performed, and produced by the staff of radio station WUHN in Peoria, Illinois, on or about Halloween 1972. Let's kick off the discussion with Paul since he chose this selection. Well, Pete said he was looking for something having to do with, you know, illness, plague, pandemic kind of thing. And I thought, well, heck, I'm in Peoria. How about the Peoria plague? That was about as much thinking as I put into it. <laughs> and then the more I thought about it, it's like, you know, that really does fit in perfectly well with what we're doing, you know, what's going on right now. And so then I, I hadn't listened to it in a while. So when I blew the dust off it and decided to listen to it again, it's like, oh, this really fits in pretty well with what's going on right now. And it was almost... It was almost kind of to a couple of points where you got a little bit of a chill going, you know, I wonder if somebody tried doing this right now, you know, doing the same kind of a broadcast that oh, we're interrupting your news right now, kind of broadcast. If people would be falling for it, I'm sure they would to a certain degree, but uh, it was unfortunate that we can't get a clean copy of this program because it's really good. I think it is. And it sounds like they put, you know, they had the right equipment to do a sterling job with the thing. And I bet you when this first aired, it sounded really good. Unfortunately, nobody thought it was going to be around. So nobody kept a, like, what would you call it, Pete? A studio tape of the thing? I don't know if they made a studio tape and then somebody just made a copy and a copy and a copy. Like you said, it's been nearly 50 years since uh it came out 48 years ago already so who can say um audio tapes tend to uh degrade over time and even if they did have a studio copy what we might hear nowadays if somebody played it on a, a modern day or or a, a period reel-to-reel machine that original tape may not sound all that great to begin with what do you think oh no, I agree with you completely. It's 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 unfortunate too. I, I'm just wondering if, with today's technology out there, if somebody who's a really good audio engineer and has the right software would be able to redigitize the thing and really clean it up. Because I mean, there's a, a few of the parts in there. Now, mind you, I'm, I wasn't listening to it with like studio grade headphones or anything. But when the uh, oh. When that started going on, I'm like, I really can't hear what they're saying. I know it's supposed to drown them out somewhat, but you should still be able to hear what they're saying. And I couldn't hear squat. Well, I did enjoy those bits because it seemed like um, we're not supposed to hear exactly what they're saying. It's it's more or less um, a thing where where the the audio is being drowned out on purpose and there were some fuzzy parts where you hear a lot of static and i'm thinking that's something they may have added uh, towards the end when they're in this when the one guy's in the studio and it's just him and the engineer and they're talking about stuff and when you get to that point 
that's really the only place where you hear that. And it seemed to me like because they were on technically, you know, quote, quotation marks, auxiliary power, you you would get that sort of static from um, a low power situation. So maybe it was added. Maybe it was low quality uh, on purpose in certain points. Entirely possible. Yeah. Um, when I listened to it, whether it was a intentional or a happy accident, I thought the lo-fi quality sound quality of the the latter half in particular just added to the kind of the tension and suspense of the story. Cause uh, I'll, I'll say just to put it in context, I've, I've been subjecting my girlfriend to a lot of the classic George Romero zombie movies lately. And so <laughs> when you suggested this, it was uh, I, I, I just, she I was delighted. Great, I, more zombies. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. We listened to it together and she, and she, I, you know, I could kind of, you know, you live with someone, you can kind of tell if they're they're enjoying a movie or a, a radio show and uh, what have you. Uh, I could just I could just see her Romero face over dinner and order ribs. <laughs> <laughs> right. No, but like uh, I mean, I've, I've been a, a long her mouth time completely fan of covered uh, with barbecue sauce, and it looks like blood. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, she was very much thinking, uh, you know, oh, here we go again. Uh-huh. You know, as soon as they, uh, as soon as the story got going. But um, yeah, having just watched, uh, you know, the original Dawn of the Dead and Day of the Dead uh, from 1985, this really hit the spot for me. I thought it was a great sort of a homage to War of the Worlds, obviously. And I think it just came out a couple of years after the original Night of the Living Dead. So I'm sure that was on everybody's mind as well. Mm. So I thought it was I thought it was a great, you know, um, tribute to those two uh, the, that originally uh, Orson Welles radio program in uh, George Romero's original zombie movie. So I liked it very much. Good. Now, I agree with uh, the tribute to The War of the Worlds because um, the way it's laid out, it starts with newscasts, they cut to music, they cut away from the music to bring more news. And then they report the power outage in the northern part of the city, right? And then in a possibly related story, they say several people have contracted a respiratory ailment of undetermined origin. Now that's the exact phrase they used in War of the Worlds. Uh, of undetermined origin only was, you know, a sort of, of an explosion or or the uh, uh, lights in the sky, whatever it was of undetermined origin. But that stood out for me. I, I caught that right away because that's mm-hmm. the, the same phrase that was used uh, by the uh, radio announcer in War of the Worlds. <laughs> Speaking of the music they played, it was so funny to listen to uh, <laughs> the easy music, the easy listening versions of uh, uh, Scarborough Fair and yeah. Son of a Preacher Man and Mrs. Robinson, you know, <laughs> and they call it Kaleidoscope, which is just hilarious. Uh, so, uh, but I guess WUHN at the time was an easy listening station. I did, I did a little uh, lookup of the Peoria plague on Wikipedia. And they said that um, that station is still in existence, but it's now WSWT. Uh, Paul, do you, do you uh, tune yeah, that in every now and then? Nine. It, it, it plays, I guess, today's saccharine music. It says on Wikipedia that it's adult, adult oriented, which is, yeah, you know, sort of a know, mix like, of, um, Oh yeah. crap! I don't even know what the hell today's light music would be. <laughs> uh, well, like lots um, of Kenny Rogers, I imagine. 
and the the was it the the fourth edition, fourth di- fifth, dimension, fifth, whatever the hell that fifth edition. Yeah, that was it. Yeah, um, Michael Bolton or something like that. That would you know, and that was I'm off by twenty years probably, but <laughs> yeah, stuff like that. It's very the only time it's good is around Christmas. They play nonstop Christmas music when you get to the holidays. Okay. <laughs> So is it safe to assume this was kind of a rare one-off radio production oh, of that station? Was. Or, yeah. or, oh, okay. So, so they did, it wasn't it wasn't at all typical for them to do sort of loving <laughs> tributes to old time radio. It was just a, kind of a out of the out of the blue sort of thing. I'm pretty sure yep. this is the only one they ever did. There's no okay. there's no evidence that they that they ever tried it again. And and there's no evidence that it was well received. No evidence that it was badly received. No you know mm. news yeah. reports I that. Mean, Everybody nowadays is receiving it well. Well, nowadays. Now, everybody nowadays loves it. Yeah, but not, not when it came out. I have no in idea. In 1972, I, I didn't find no, anything on it. Yeah, it, it's in a, it, it fell into a black <clears throat> hole for 30 years, and then people started, started, it started sneaking out into uh, the internet and said, this is really cool. Let's listen to this. So it's all over the okay. place. You do a search on, on, on Google, and there are... Thousands upon thousands of entries for the Peoria Plague. It's amazing. Yeah. So it really spread. Well, that answers my question. I was going to ask whether either of you guys remembered this having like a second life on like cassette back in the 80s or 90s or whether it wasn't until the internet age that people kind of rediscovered it. No, I never heard of it until just a few it. years ago. And I was okay. nine. I was nine years old in 1972. So <laughs> <laughs> so when they're doing this news, I want to mention this newscast that they do at the very beginning. It's very long. It's a very long newscast. And I don't know if they were re- reading actual stories or, or modified stories, mm-hmm. but they mentioned some right. names of real people like Paul Simon, who was the, um, um, the senator the at the time. <laughs> Not the musician, but the guy who eventually ran for president in the in the eighties, uh, and mm-hmm. didn't make it, of course. Um, but he was a, I, I think, a senator in nineteen seventy two. So they mentioned him, and they have a bunch of stories, and that sort of follows along the same way with the War of the Worlds, because then they get to the bulletin that's handed to him, where he says that the power has been. Uh, lost in the in the northern part of the city, and then the people have the contracted a respiratory ailment. Um, so it follows along pretty well, especially when they get to the point where they say somebody saw a blue flash move across the sky or a blue green flash mm-hmm. um, just before an explosion by the waterworks. And here's where the parallels come in because uh, with modern times, parallels with modern times because they talk about um, everybody needs to stay home. The mayor comes in and says they're um, calling, possibly calling in the National Guard. Um, he says, this is a rare thing. <laughs> of course, maybe it's 1970s. He immediately says he, he won't try to cover things up. <laughs> He's going to be transparent. <laughs> he urges people yeah. to stay in their homes behind locked doors. Martial laws enacted. Um, he does take a moment to criticize the governor of Illinois for going fishing in Wisconsin <laughs> <laughs> and not being able, not being available to address the emergency. Which is how some things haven't changed. Yeah. <laughs> so um, people are still criticizing the governor of Illinois uh, to this day. <laughs> That was a nice moment of uh, comic relief because uh, that that first scene in the hospital, I, uh, 
you know, my girlfriend and I listened to this uh, during the day. So it was, you know, sunlight coming through the window is not the ideal setting to listen to a horror show. But I still found that found that um, that hospital scene pretty terrifying when they're setting up the barricades and trying to um, keep whatever's going on on the upper floors from spreading to the rest of the hospital. Yeah, that's and, um, um, that was good. That was good. And, and it was, yeah. And that was like Carl, the Carl Phillips of the War of the mm-hmm. Worlds, because he, they lose audio and then his body is found later on covered in shards of glass cut in half by the elevator and still gripping the microphone in his hand, which was like, holy holy crap for 1972 (laughs) on the radio for 72. They're really reporting a lot of violent acts here. It's just amazing how graphic they got the little girl, the little girl gets murdered. Mm -hmm. Yes. It's just amazing how, how many uh, chances they took, uh, you know, so to speak with the FCC crazy with like a little five six-year-old girl the guy picks her up over his head and body slams her yeah. as hard as he can and starts kicking her and everything and i'm like good lord it's a 72 and of course <laughs> it's made even more creepy by the fact that these reporters are reporting it in sort of a deadpan voice now for me that makes things a little more creepy because they're reporting it so matter-of-factly without with very little emotion you know, <laughs> so not, not exactly like the Hindenburg. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, something. I don't know if any of you noticed this. And the only reason I noticed it is because my father was uh, a fan of, of W.C. Fields. One of the reporters names was Carl LaFong. And he rep- he he interviewed Carl LaFong, interviewed the German doctor. Remember the doctor with the German, the heavy German accent? Yes. Well, Carl LaFong was a character in, uh, to my knowledge, a W.C. Fields movie. And my dad used to do this uh, impression of it. It's like, LaFong, Carl LaFong, capital A, small L, capital F, small O, small N, small G, LaFong, Carl LaFong. <laughs> it was just, <laughs> that was a thing. That it's sort of a cool uh, tribute to my dad in it inadvertently. <laughs> yeah, that's I like that's that. That's uh, so that's pretty cool. Um, now there's some places where it did bog down. I think um, there's the guy who is at the who who does the um, pre-recorded report, Warren LaSalle. Hey, LaSalle, you know, that's where you're from, Paul. <laughs> I thought I, I listened to it. I'm like, oh, yeah, LaSalle. all right. He's named after a Buick. Um, <laughs> but Warren LaSalle gives that pre-recorded report. And he starts out by saying he won't have time to give a report, but he still talks for like six or seven minutes. And he gives so much detail about going to his car to get a pack of smokes. He realizes he doesn't have his car and he has to go over to where he left his coat hanging on a fence. And he talks about how he gets over to the fence and now he gets back to the, just to me, that could have been a lot shorter and, and, and still had the intensity. Too much exposition. Hmm? Too much exposition well, on his part. A lot of, it's just a lot of uh, detail. It got bogged down. Um, and then um, when he got back in his car and he's talking about the so- the mob outside the car, we didn't hear anything. You couldn't hear the mob. True. I think if they had uh, provided 
sounds of the zombies outside his car pounding on his windows and everything because he said they're pounding on my window they're doing this but we didn't he- I didn't hear any I couldn't hear anything until the car got rolled over now that sound was pretty cool and when the car got rolled over that was a good sound but I couldn't hear anything else so that was kind of that's where it for me that moment was a little bogged down but the rest of it was pretty sharp and I I'm sure they used staffers the, the staff of the radio station to do all of these uh, different roles. Um, I liked how they used a couple of women in the cast. That was, that was a good, a good touch. Mm-hmm. Barb Fox and Mim Lorgan, <laughs> Barb Fox and Mim Lorgan. I wrote all these names down so that they could be pointed out. So they, they did a good job, especially when um, the second woman is reporting from courthouse square She's talking, she's describing the events uh, around her. Um, She describes how a victim transforms into a zombie. There's a lot of, well, there's a lot more exposition, a lot of poetic talk about the horrible thing that's going on. And that's where that thrumming sound comes in. She, she brings in the talk of the, of the, uh, of this flying saucer. It's pie shaped and it's rotating. And all I could think of was a piece of pie on a plate (laughs) going around. <laughs> um, we didn't have the budget for anything bigger. We couldn't budget. It's what kind of pie is it? <laughs> um, <laughs> and that's when they talk about the capsules that fall, the little capsules that fall to the ground. They break open. They release a milky white liquid, um, and that's how they discover how the water supply gets poisoned. But what did you think of the end? When when it when it all sum, sums up, what's the uh, what was your uh, reaction? When the reporter asks for a glass of water, <laughs> where'd, you, where'd you get that water? Um, it's tap water. I thought it was okay. <laughs> I like. Um, I liked that St. Louis made a brief appearance at the end. That's that's my hometown, and I was kind of wondering in the back of my mind the whole time, like, oh, Chicago will probably be mentioned. I think Springfield was mentioned once or twice, and, and St. Louis is briefly mentioned. So. Yeah, the uh, Pekin was mentioned too. So I was like, I was thinking, oh, I mi- I missed that. Yeah, and so, yeah. So Chillicothe and Chillicothe <laughs> was mentioned because uh, Chillicothe is north of Peoria, Pekin is south of Peoria, and they were just saying mm-hmm. that um, they had all lost power, but nothing along the lines of what was happening in Peoria with the zombies was happening in those surrounding areas. It was all confined to the city limits of Peoria. Mm -hmm. Uh, I didn't want anybody to think that, okay, we had a, we had a show about Pekin last time. We got a show about Peoria this time. What's next? It's (laughs) Dave's hometown. We're going to talk about St. Louis next time, right? (laughs) This is is just going to be a central Illinois podcast. Central Illinois and and, uh, uh, central Missouri (laughs) <laughs> okay. Old time geographical podcast we for go. you to enjoy. So I don't know if there are any other shows about <laughs> about those towns. So uh, let's get them out of the way I'm sure right I now. Can think of something with Jack Benny and, well, we and uh, Waukegan, yeah. So we got to do Waukegan yeah. next time. <laughs> We've already done Jack <laughs> Benny though, so that was uh, that. All that's yeah. true. That's true. We did a Jack Benny show. Who else? Aside from you know uh, Fibber McGee and Molly, who were from Peoria. Yeah, but they they never mention anything about Peoria that I've heard. I haven't heard all of their shows, but I don't recall hearing anything about Peoria in any of their they shows. They do mention either. it from time to time. There's one where they were um it was the the last show before the summer break 
in I think 1948, and they talk about going on. They're, they're going to go canoeing, and Fibber is going to play his mandolin, and they get out on the river on the, on their canoe, and Molly mentions how it was nice. It reminds her of um, of being on the Illinois River back in Peoria. Huh. So they mention it from time to time, but um, back to this show when the uh, reporter who who never gives his name by the way, uh, the one who kind of keeps the, the storyline going, drinks the water. He finds out it's from the tap. What does he do? He sacrifices himself. He says, you got to get me out of here and you got to lock the doors. And, and he, he says, no, no, no. We, and the engineer says, we've known each other five, six, seven years. <laughs> I love how he said five, six, seven years. <laughs> Come on. Don't you remember how long you've known me? <laughs> So I've known you for a while. A while now. Yeah. So a while. So we hear that sound of him getting up and leaving. And then the engineer comes back and says, due to circumstances beyond our control, we are forced to leave the air. And then it goes out. And that's it. And I it's really cool. There was only there was only a, a brief disclaimer at the beginning. This is a dramatization. And the brief disclaimer at the end, this was an act of work of fiction or something like that. And then in the middle, there's 50-some minutes where if somebody had come in, tuned in halfway through, what, you know, what would they have thought? You know what I'm saying? It's like the music wasn't playing. It's all the news reports. It's all this. But there's just no record of what the reaction was, if any, to this, this program. It's crazy. I mean, something like this, you think it would have made, like, at least the local headlines the next day. In the Journal Star, which owned the yeah. paper. <laughs> which exactly. owned the radio station, rather. I, I mean, it's got me interested enough to where I'm going to do further digging. But from what I've found so far, it's just kind of, like, disposable, just about. Yeah. They did it and then just walked away, and that was it. I mean. Yeah. And so we don't know if they, they promoted it in advance. We don't know if they uh, had any sort of reaction afterwards. Uh, it was completely commercial free. Yeah. Which was, which was good. Um, because, you know, they did some radio station in, on the East Coast did a reenactment of War of the Worlds in the 70s. And you knew that it was just horrible as soon as they broke to a commercial about three minutes in. <laughs> so the world is being invaded by Martians and it's time for a commercial. <laughs> and now Diet Pepsi. <laughs> it was some local clothing store or something like that. But I can only listen to a few minutes because it was just, I, I didn't like it. Don't write to me. If you liked that <laughs> remake in the 70s of War of the Worlds, don't write to me. I thought it sucked and I don't care. I'm going to tell you right now. But I did like this. Um, it was well thought out. It was well planned. Uh, the, the reporters sounded like reporters, just the whole story was great with the aliens, but they didn't know until boom, you know, there's the, there's the saucer coming down over the courthouse and dropping those capsules. I think the suspense was maintained very well. The tension was maintained very well. The only place, like I said, that bogged down was where that reporter was just talking too long before he died. Before his car got overturned. But the rest of it was, I think, very taut and uh, very well done. 
Yeah, I don't have any criticisms of this. I was thoroughly entertained throughout. I thought, you know, the um, the narrative style of telling it in the same manner as War of the Worlds worked perfectly. And I thought, if you're going to tell this kind of story, you can't shy away from a bleak ending. And it it definitely delivered on that. Oh yeah. And I thought the yeah. uh, yeah. the con- the con- the conclusion was perfect. And again, whether or not the uh, the poor sound quality was intentional or not, I think it just enhanced the story. So uh, I agree. Yeah, I, I loved it. I agree. I, yeah. I, I I tend to lean toward the fact that they they added that static and that uh, um, mm-hmm. th- those technical problems after the fact because they did include. You remember they they did have a recording and they said that the tape that the doctor used was probably bad. Oh right, yeah, right. At, at one yeah. point they were playing a, t- a tape of somebody of some doctor. And um, they said that the technical problems would they try to fix them and play it later. So I think that the additional technical static and things like that, um, I agree with you, Dave, that uh, they probably made that in- intentional. And the bleak ending, definitely. It was, um, it was very good, very dramatic uh, to have the reporter uh, sacrifice himself so that uh, the engineer wouldn't be harmed. That was mm-hmm. good. Does anybody have anything else to say about it? Paul, Dave? Nope. I think we're good. Me? Okay. Okay. At this point in the show, we'd normally have a round of voting, but since Peoria Plague was a standalone show, and from what we can decipher, the only radio drama created by this station ever, such a vote would be fairly useless. So, goodbye, everybody. Yep. So long. See you next time. Hey, hey, hey wait a minute now. Huh? What? Was there something else, Pete? Well, sure, the the usual stuff, you know. Jeez, guys. Okay, I was only kidding. Ah. So this brings us to the end of episode 13 of Old Time Radio Essentials with Paul Arbisi, Pete Lutz, and me, Dave Feldman. Next time we get back to our regular cycle, and it'll be Pete's turn, which was postponed due to today's pandemic special. Pete, what's on the bill for next time? Spoil sport. Easy now, you wise guys. spread out coming up next is an episode of radio's outstanding theater of thrills suspense and it's a slightly edited two-part episode entitled donovan's brain starring my radio muse orson wells so that's next month on old-time radio essentials and we hope you'll join us for that paul dave tell the masses what they need to know Old Time Radio Essentials is a production of 63 Audio, a proud member of the Mutual Audio Network. Check us out at www.mutualaudionetwork.com or www.neuroteradio.lipson.com. You can also subscribe on iTunes under Mutual Audio Network and or Narada Radio Company. <laughs> And on any podcatcher you may happen to use, we usually release a new installment on or about the third Sunday of every month. So make sure we get into your playlist. (laughs) If you want to be very nice, please leave us a review either on iTunes or on your podcatcher, if they have that capability. You can also like us on Facebook at Mutual Audio Fans and at Narada Radio Company Fans and Friends. On Twitter, at Essentials Old, if you want to suggest a future episode or just tell us what, how you think we're doing, write us at f6.3 at gmail.com. That's the letter F, the number six, the word point, and the number three at gmail.com. 
put the word essentials in the subject line. <laughs> and one quick note before we sign off. I discovered in my research about this show that my good friend Jack Ward, who also puts out an old-time radio discussion show called Sonic Echo, covered the Peoria Plague about four years ago. There's no discussion on Jack's presentation, just a brief intro and outro. But Sonic Echo has evolved into a terrific, full-blown discussion podcast with a trio of fine fellers, including Jack, Jeff Billard, and Lothar Tuppen. You can catch it on Mutual as well, so go look for it. You'll enjoy it. In the meantime, remember to wash your hands, wear that mask, and observe social distancing. And now, thanks to all of you for listening. Be sure to catch us next time on Old Time Radio Essentials. Bye-bye for now. Talk to you soon. See ya. Bye. We'll meet again. Adios. Don't know where, don't know when. <laughs> but I know we'll meet again some sunny day. I'm so glad we had this time together. You didn't Just tug on your ear. Tug on your ear. I did. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I did, but there's a plague. It came off in my hand. Ah! Wait a minute. 63 Audio. This is Mutual. Now, you seem to me to be a connoisseur of the best of radio drama. In which case, make sure you're subscribed to the Monday Matinee Feed. There we have our weekly series of dramatic, theatrical, classic, eclectic, and live radio drama. So, yeah, either the main mutual audio network feed for all types and genres of audio drama, or the Monday Matinee. And we'll see you there. The Mutual Audio Drama Network, where we listen and imagine together.